Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I'm your host, Jack Tiverelli, with my co-host, Blockchain John, here on the 507th episode, Sunday night, April 16th, 2023. Welcome to our, I guess you could call it, first sponsor? <laughs> Blockchain Expo. We're going to be talking about Blockchain Expo a little bit here in the beginning, but hey, John, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, happy to be back. Feels like I've been gone for a long time, even though I was here on Wednesday. I feel like I, I didn't fully reset until like this weekend. So this is, it feels like I'm finally back now. My head's here. I got it. We're good to go. Yeah, you need a vacation uh, from your vacation? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And now uh, we got accepted to uh, be um, partners, more or less, with the Blockchain Expo. So that's pretty cool. I don't know about Yeah, I guess it kind of is. Well, when we're, we're, you know, we're media people. So, of course, they're letting us get into slightly higher tier. Provided we tell you guys about the Blockchain Expo, which we're perfectly happy to do because we love it. <laughs> it's really fun going last time, a two-day event that we went to in October. And they're, they're upping it this year, bringing it a little bit earlier in spring, in, uh, the 17th and 18th of May of, in uh, 2023. So basically a month from today. Uh, it'll be tomorrow, but basically a month from today. And so it's going to be in Santa Clara, Santa Clara Convention Center. If you guys want to come check it out, you can do it for free. You don't even have to have a for press pass. Free, you can check free. it out. All the stuff that's on the floor during the two-day uh, event is completely free to anybody who wants to go. There are, of course, paid versions, which are very expensive. I think the minimum one is 750 and the maximum one is like 2500 But the more you pay, the more you get. There's lots of backstage stuff you get to see if you do decide to pay. And then there's also dinners and meeting with uh, high-level exec people if you want to do that too. But honestly, um, we got to see a lot of really cool, uh, uh, what's it, not lectures, but, you know, uh, expose uh, talks. And there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on here at this expo. You got IoT, AI, cybersecurity and cloud. Uh, you got the 5G, uh, edge computing, digital transformation, and blockchain. All of this inventions it's like five six conventions all mashed into yep. one rolled into one it's event. a gargantuan place so you know it's plenty of stuff to walk around and see honestly it takes probably a good what five five to seven minutes to walk from one end to the other and there's a ton if of it, if you guys can't make it you guys can definitely check us out on uh, on youtube i'll be uploading that or um most likely i'm going to be streaming everything that i do there from the moment i get there until the moment i leave i'll be streaming the whole thing so Stand by for that. Yeah, we're going to be doing, out, uh, how many? yeah, talking to a lot of people and taking a lot of pictures, a lot of video. So you'll yes. be seeing everything we do. Follow on while Twitter, we're there. follow on Twitch and yep. Discord and YouTube. Yep. So let's get on to the news. This week All in right. crypto Twitter. SEC oh. commissions continue to condemn SEC. All right, let's see what's going on here. Bitcoin recrossed the $30,000 support threshold this week and hit a 10-month high. Meanwhile, Ethereum's, uh, it, it, I thought it was Capella. Did they change the name? Is Capella? Uh, you know, it's just Upgrade. two names crushed into one. That's the reason they call it that. Okay. Upgrade finally went live, allowing validators to unlock their staked ETH. And the rewards accrued so far are and freeing up a staggering $34 billion in ETH. In the process, the coin's price accordingly hit an 11-month high. These successes went largely unremarked in the thick of crypto Twitter terrain, a, a terrain densely packed with an industry announcements and lengthy broadsides. The week started with a couple of personnel changes 
Animoca Japan, a subsidiary of Animoca, the developers of publisher and popular blockchain game The Sandbox, appointed a new CEO on Monday. The company's press release called the new chief Daisuke Iwasi, a Web3 native with a proven record both as an entrepreneur and a corporate leader. And there is a tweet there with his nice profile picture. In a parallel notice, Coinbase's former head of ex exchange, Vishal Gupta, announced he was stepping down. What? Really? Let's, wow. I want to read his tweet here. Uh, well, I guess it's a, it's, a, it's a thread, but we'll just read the first one. After an amazing two and a half years at Coinbase, I've decided it's time for me to move on. As head of an exchange slash market at Coinbase, I am proud of the accomplishments we, we achieved together. Yeah, he's done a lot. All right, crypto and DeFi enthusiast at Nay GMY uh, did a sleuthing on both the blockchain and Google and wrote a long and plausible thread alleging that something is definitely up with crypto markets maker DWF Labs. And here's a tweet from Nay, uh, number 11. It's a thread. Number 11 is uh, now who is the official face of DWF? Andre Grashev. He is saying DWF is a trade by market maker since 2016 and they've made hundreds of millions doing that lol he's been publicly accused of running various crypto scams since 2018 they include icos that raise money and never launched number 12 portfolio management which led to 100 percent losses and his ties to onecoin a four billion dollar crypto ponzi he was photoed speaking at their moscow meetups and as ceo of huobi russia at the time hoped to exclusively list it on huobi hmm sounds like insider trading to me hmm Bitcoin Maxi Pete Rizzo marked the 10th anniversary of an important event in Maxi hodling history. What is that? Here's a tweet from Rizzo. Exactly 10 years ago, investors Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss buys 100,000 Bitcoins at one under $100. They are still hodling today. Yes. I don't know about hodling. You know, that's funny because just as a matter of fact, uh, on Friday when I was at Hacker Dojo, uh, side story, um, one of the guys that actually was uh, using the Gemini uh, uh, exchange said that he received an email that the Winklevoss twins were using his funds for um, future projects. They were investing into other stuff, <laughs> his funds. I would take I his like, funds out if I were him then. <laughs> not your keys, yeah, not your like, crypto, right? Yeah, I was like, dude, I don't, I've never heard that before, but uh, it's interesting that they would send that to you. Are yeah. you sure it was from them or from someone Yeah, else? exactly. Yeah. Check your sources. Crypto researchers Molly White provided followers with an extremely long and often hilarious Twitter rant on Tuesday. Her provocation, question mark, Andrew Horowitz's latest annual State of the Crypto Propaganda Report. Here's a tweet from Molly White. This slide is a effing masterpiece. Somehow YouTube consumes 122% of the electricity as global data centers. Does YouTube not use data centers? Question mark. No source with its energy estimates or ex explanation of how it's calculated. Also claim YouTube consumes 187% to 244% elect as Bitcoin. But I mean, YouTube is a gargantuan platform that mm -hmm. is also providing a, the majority of all videos in the world, <laughs> besides maybe China. Justin Sun replied to a tweet report of his arrest in Hong Kong with one numeral. Readers who have been following this weekend's roundup will probably recognize this as a reference to Binance CEO Shengbang Zhao's Twitter code for Ignore FUD, which has now been widely renamed by the crypto Twitter community. 
And here's that tweet. Justin Sun arrested in Hong Kong. Source at location. Authorities holding Sun at Mashinawanamananam station. <laughs> <laughs> and he just responds number four. Yeah, ignore the FUD. <clears throat> the Bruce Lee estate launches an Ethereum NFT to commemorate the late legendary martial artist and actor. I'm going to go ahead and play this video. Make sure you mute the audio there. Yeah. The 15 second video. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Turn him into anime. House uh, of Lee. Yeah. April 12, 2023. Cool. All right, continuing on. On Thursday, Christian Smith, the CEO of Pro Crypto Lobbying Group, the Blockchain Association, tweeted an SOS from Costa Rica. Just hours prior, the group had filed an amicus brief. Amicus? Amicus. Amicus brief Amicus. in United States District Court in Austin opposing the U.S. Treasury Department's sanctions against, against crypto privacy mixer Tornado Cash. Software company CEO Robert Salvador saw a possible connection between the two events. She later tweeted that she was just missing an entry stamp in her passport. Oh, so it wasn't that bad. <laughs> IT consultancy founder in Ethereum fan Edmund Edgar tweeted a picture from a presentation by Amazon Web Services one of 10 cloud hosting providers who together control the majority 57% of Ethereum nodes. Wow. Uh, this fact is used for fuel in the argument that Ethereum isn't really as decentralized as it claims. Exactly. Yes, I did see that. It was actually a lot higher before, but I think it was like 65%. Mm -hmm. It was actually actually between Ethereum, uh, excuse me, between Amazon and Google, I believe it's like 80%. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that AWS and Google themselves own this but that those places is where the, these nodes are located. Yep, good point. All right. On Wednesday, MasterCard announced its MasterCard Artist Accelerator program. There is a bug on my screen. Mm. It's not a bug, it's a feature. Accelerate <laughs> MasterCard Artist Accelerator program with a free Polygon-based NFT, giving musicians slash NFT fans various perks while providing musicians participating in the program with the tools and guidance needed to release their own NFTs. That's cool. Whoops. Clicked on the link and it took me to MasterCard. Yeah. OpenAI developer Logan Kilpatrick. Is it Kilpatrick? Yeah, that's right. Kilpatrick uh, assured everyone that work has not commenced on GPT-5. It appears his team has heeded the warning by tech luminaries Elon Musk and Steve Wozniak. And it's not just them. There have been a couple of alarming cases around the things GBT4 is already capable of, including exploiting smart contracts, rudimentary planning its own escape, mm -hmm. and falsely accusing people of committing sexual assault, hallucinating a Washington Post article as a citation to sub substantiate the claim. That's interesting that we're talking about that because my buddy right now is watching, um, was it like on 2020, I think, I think it, he's watching? Um, a whole uh, um, series, not a series, uh, a whole uh, um, uh, documentary on AI. Mm -hmm. All the stuff that's coming out now, there, there's a new thing going on right now with with that. Which, it's crazy, dude. This stuff is just nonstop. Every 24 hours or something new with uh, The thing AI. that's weird to me is that, like, talking about Elon Musk without talking about crypto, we talk about GPT as if it had something to do with crypto. <laughs> true, true. Finally, well, actually, I guess the the way they plugged that in was uh, smart, it, exploiting smart contracts. Exploiting it, right. 
uh, finally, on Friday, SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce lambasted her, her own agency and shared her strongly worded dissent against regulators' plan to change its definition of exchange in order to bring crypto exchanges under its jurisdiction. Pierce argued the move undermines First Amendment pr uh, protections. Mm -hmm. She also used the SEC's own history to point out that the agency was more flexible and open to innovation 30 years ago. Exactly. She called... Exactly. She called the SEC that expanded the definition of exchange, quote-unquote, to create regulations, ATS, quote, a relic of bygone times. Chairman Gary Gensler, a.k.a. the Sheriff of Cryptoville, must have felt that one over in his office. Yeah, we're going to talk about this later. It's one of the articles that we're yep. covering. So moving on with This Week in and Coins. This Week in Coins, also by Tim Huckey. Thank you, Tim Huckey, for writing these articles. You do a great job. Bitcoin recovers 30,000 US dollars as Ethereum Chappella goes live. We just talked about this to some degree, but we're going to get a little bit more in depth. While the Bitcoin and Ethereum price rallies over the last seven days are numerically speaking not particularly notable, given their long histories, sometimes explosive price movement, there was a definite sense that it was a significant week for both. Bitcoin rose 7.5% to its current price of roughly 30,000 meaning that it finally recrossed the 30,000-point uh, support barrier, which, of course, pushed um, MicroStrategy into the black again. For the first time in months, it managed to hold on to its gains coming into the weekend. I believe it's still up there. Let me pull it up real quick just to see if it's still up there, because right now it would be trade. Yeah, uh, right. It just, it just broke below 30,000. <laughs> Trading in, in Asia is happening right now here because it's late on the uh, left coast of the United States. So let me get back to the coins here. The key driver for Bitcoin's surge in value was the release of the latest U.S. inflation numbers by Bureau of Labor Statistics. The consumer price index for the month of March revealed that inflation was lower than forecasts had anticipated. The latest reading is a strong indicator that the Fed could back, back, back down from its policy of raising interest rates, which it pursued throughout 2022, making it more expensive to borrow money and ultimately turning investors away from risk on assets like crypto and stocks. It's also a huge week for Bitcoin's closest rival, Ethereum, which blew up 10% to just over $2,000. On Friday, the coin briefly broke past 2100 for the first time in 11 months. Yeah, we had a lot of bad news in 2022. Much of the Ethereum hype centered on the launch of a long-anticipated Chappella upgrade, which went live on Wednesday. Chappella jointly refers to two upgrades, the Shanghai and Capella, thus Chappella, which have now unlocked withdrawals of ETH staked on the network as execution layer and the consensus layer, respectively, freeing up $34 billion in staked ETH. The execution layer executes and records Ethereum's transactions in real time, while the consensus layer validates those transactions. Every validator has staked 32 ETH to activate their software, and it's re rewarded for ETH for confirming transactions. The biggest rally among the top 30 cryptocurrencies was enjoyed by Solana. Sol blew up 16%, currently trades for 23.91, at least last at this time of writing. Much of Sol's performance this week was thanks to the release of Saga, an Android phone powered by Solana blockchain. That's the entire phone, not just some app on it. On April 13th, the device enables users to seamlessly access Solana's huge ecosystem of apps and projects. 
Other notable rallies this week include Cardano, which rose nearly 12% to $0.43. Cents. OKB added 10% and trades at about 45 and a half, 45 and a third. Aptos surged 8.5% to 12.41, and Near Protocol went up about 9% to, to 2.17. There were no casualties among the top 100 cryptocurrencies by market capitalizations this week. Nothing fell down, which has been good. Well, there's been a lot of in-between and up. And if we scroll, I'm just scrolling CoinGecko here real quick to show it. And yeah, there's nothing really. Pax Gold went down. Caspa. Caspa's been going down weirdly. I don't know why, but I think it's because a lot of people are getting into mining it. So, on to the BitBoy continued drama. Yes. YouTuber BitBoy ordered to appear in court to face lawyers harassment claims. All right, let's read this little uh, first paragraph here. Crypto influencer Ben BitBoy Armstrong has been ordered to appear before a Miami court next week to iron out allegations of harassment directed at class action attorney Adam Moskowitz. 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 Yeah. And his law firm. Armstrong was named as a defendant in the class action lawsuit last month, co-led by Moskowitz and attorney David Boyce. Boys, the yeah. lawsuit alleges multiple online influencers solicited the sale of unregistered securities and promoting the defunct cryptocurrency exchange FTX and seeks over $1 billion in damages. Ouch! So, yeah, he, ah. uh, Damn. unfortunately, uh, BitBoy has been lambasting uh, this lawyer and his law firm with multiple emails, uh, Twitter rants, and uh, phone calls uh, calling him out, not just in these particular situations but also uh on his channel and trying to in, in a sense get his his followers to uh do the same and you know he's it's it's i don't know it's a tough on on crime kind of attitude of like well we're just gonna you know beat these people up verbally as much as we possibly can except that that doesn't actually do anything i'd say to a lawyer although the lawyer himself has had um uh, death threats levied at him not just through uh, the harsh words that Armstrong has brought in his tweets, but by the followers, and lots and lots and lots. I think he said he has, at the point I read last Sunday, he had like 12 or 13 death threats um, from various anonymous persons. And now the <laughs> the judge is basically uh, kind of doing the same thing he did to Trump, which is, you know, hey, stop this. You can't just, you know, say whatever you want and and and, you know, threatened to kill the person who's suing you you may not be happy about it and no one's no one loves being sued but uh, threatening the person with with death is not going to make your case better here's a tweet down uh down a little little further down from uh and armstrong says he says uh so let me get this straight adam moskowitz frivolously attaches me falsely as a paid promoter of ftx a site where people lot 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 I think he meant lost. Lot everything. Many lost life savings. Many on the brink of suicide. And this fragile pussy claims he is one scared. He's the one scared and at risk because I call him names. Mm. Uh, he did more than just call him names. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and it, it, unfortunately the problem with, with doing the things that he's doing towards this lawyer, it's like, okay, you can be mad. And you can be vile. You can be uh, vile, not violent, but vile. Um, but you can't threaten death. 
you can't and maybe ben himself has not threatened death maybe it's just his his followers that have done it followers, yeah. um and i'm guessing they've done it anonymously as well but at the same time it's like you know this this won't help your case you know you can be angry but it's not going to be it's not going to help your case at all you, you know you have to you have to do this out in court you're not going to get this guy to stop I mean, he's he's only filing a class action lawsuit. The lawyer himself isn't directly involved. The lawyer is just filing a class action lawsuit for his client. <laughs> so it's just it's stupid. Uh, not to say that Bitcoin doesn't on a regular basis do kind of stupid stuff, but you know that he knows that when he does this, he gets views. So he's doing it for the clout. He's doing it for the views. He's doing it because it will get hit people watching his content because drama is content <laughs> and re remember th there's it's a class action lawsuit against a lot of youtube yeah. influencers yeah it's not so it's not only just uh uh, uh, brian, uh i was gonna say brian armstrong ben armstrong it's also uh youtuber stars like uh graham Stephan, evan yep. uh was it pa pa meet pa kevin pa yeah meet kevin this uh, is youtube Jess, channel jespreet singh which i like jespreet yeah but he did show ftx so he did, he did. And that's pretty much what they're directed towards on, on all these. Uh, Andre uh, Zeke, yeah, he's the magic guy. Oh, okay. Brian Jung, Jeremy Lefebvre, Lefebvre. Yeah. And Tom Nash. Yeah. Creators with millions of followers combined. Yep. Yes. Yeah, all of them are either close to a million or more than a million uh, subs to their YouTube channels. And BitBoy is more than a million by far. So We're almost there. Yeah, well, we're getting there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's... Next news. Yeah, let's just move on to this cool stuff, which I find really fascinating, and it's honestly one of the more interesting things I expect to come in the very near future. Danny Trejo, Mena, Savari join Gala's Web3 TV series, Razor. Dystopian sci-fi series, Razor, currently in post-production, will premiere exclusively on Gala film platform this July. So... Uh, they're, they're turning a Web3 platform into something like HBO or, or Netflix. Okay, um, so my, my question is right away, where's Gala Films at? Can I just go to galafilms.com or what? Galafilms.com? Um, I believe so. Gala Films. Let's see here. Oops, I wrote that totally wrong. I put Gala Files. Films. Let's look it up. Yeah, film.gala.com, film. yeah. Anyway, so there's, a, it took a second to load, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of movie stuff going on here, um, or TV show stuff going on. It's a whole series that, you know, I don't know if it's a six-part or an eight-part series, but it's already filmed all the, you know, the filming parts are done. They're just doing post-production oh, for all the technology, including. So I'm really interested in, in this because it's like, well, why can't Web3 do this? Now, one of the things, I'm not going to play the whole video, but there's a video f close down to the very bottom of this article where you actually see David uh, Bianchi uh, interviewed, and he said they actually did a, a, a table read for the internet. Oh, bro, that's a lot of money, man. That's, I don't know. Yeah, they actually did a real table read of an entire uh, episode for the internet. They're trying to be as, as open as possible and presenting all this stuff to the DAOs and to the people involved in this project. So if you're involved in the project, in a sense, you, can, you become a... Um, uh, a, a sponsor or a participant, you know, like like you go with a DAO, and so it's it's just kind of a neat concept in general to say that this isn't totally involved in this way, and and it gets people more involved. It's like you know, you 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 can get Fox, not Fox News, but Fox, you know, the the twentieth um, century Fox, and get things like The Simpsons, but you don't have any, you know, 
any say in what The Simpsons produce their content as. Now, maybe you could win something and then maybe they bring you on the show or include your likeness on it. But for the most part, you have no input. Um, you know, the internet and memes do have some input, but it's not your individual input. Now, if you're a famous person, sure, but that has to do with money. And with the whole thing with this Web3 concept is if you are even just a small-time contributor, you're still part of the, of the fold and you get to contribute. Um, so That's what I'm, it looks like. It looks like you can contribute like uh, as, as, as little as $250, if I'm not mistaken, for an entry level. Yeah. And you get full access of the series mm-hmm. i believe right you know and of course there's higher tiers that gives you that unlocks a little more, more functionality right stuff. exactly but which that's kind of cool dude that's actually that should be the way things should be going you know there should be a lot more uh, independent film producers and of course they they're also saying you don't have to own the nft in order to view the shows so you don't actually have to buy in to actually watch which is true for most people anyways if you want to watch a show for mo- most part, most places, in the, with the exception of like, in you're getting your stuff OTA, then you're not going to buy anything. But you know, if you're going to watch an HBO, you're going to have to pay the HBO for access to it or Netflix for access to it, um, or you know, their platform. So it's not that weird to have a buy-in for access to the platform, um, but to actually have con- contributive input to the actual show is freaking awesome just like a DAO. like i said if you own part of a coin through a DAO, you have participatory access so i'm also interested in just seeing how this this turns out their little preview which i did watch earlier just really just shows danny trejo for like five seconds <laughs> it doesn't really give you any idea of what the show's about but you really need to get involved in gala games if you want or gala films in particular if you want to know more and I think this is I think this is awesome. I mean, we'll see how great the content is um, once it it's debuts. But I mean, hey, you can already see a table read, so you actually know what one of the episodes is about if you've seen that. That's so funny. I just watched a twenty second clip of that, and there's like I have no clue other than I just seen Danny's face on there yeah. for like three seconds. I'm like, okay, what was this about? Right. I have no clue. Well, it seems to be a lot of really famous, relatively famous people yeah. involved. You know, David Bianchi, um, Richard Cabral, Mimi Davila. Uh, Christopher Marquette um, are all involved, so it's kind of neat. That's cool, man. Yeah. So, moving on yeah. to political news. Ah, okay, fine. SEC's Hester Pierce says Gensler's plan to target DeFi undermines First Amendment. Which we mentioned earlier. Right. Yes. First paragraph says... U.S. Securities Exchange Chairman Gary Gensler has made it clear that he's getting tough on crypto, so he says. And today, the American regulators revealed he's not leaving out the industry's most complex space, DeFi. In a Friday announcement, the SEC said in a press release that it would revisit plans to change the definition of what is considered an exchange. This would include DeFi or decentralized finance protocols like decentralized exchanges. Yes. Well, you know what? Um, I think my two Sotoshis are we do need some clarity on what DeFi is uh, when it comes to, I guess, government regulations because they always have to stick their fingers in everything. Because um, I think in the eyes uh, right now, there's not and it, there, there's absolutely nothing. There's no regulation on, on DeFi. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're correct. But there's no way for the United States to regulate 
DeFi because it's it's decentralized. It can be done anywhere. How do you regulate some? You can't even put your finger on you. You can regulate Unify. You can regulate Uniswap because they're or SushiSwap because they're entities, but you cannot regulate their sites because they're not hosted anywhere. So if you want to make trades, I mean, I guess you could say like there's a, there's a decentralized um, uh, platform or DeFi, DeFi platform. They mentioned it further down in the article. Not Curve, what's it called? Oh, it's um, uh, or- Orca, the largest DEX on Solana blockchain by volume last month stopped American users from using its platform, warning would-be traders from using a, UP, a VPN, rather. So they're kind of saying, hey, you know, we are a big, pretty big DEX, and, we, and if you want to trade, you can't be an American person. Um, but the fact of the matter is, Americans know full well they have VPNs, and how else are you going to stop a VPN user? You can, you can try to you know, prove that a person used a VPN to access the thing, but then it's just the company doing it. Unless the SEC themselves says all Americans are banned from doing DEX trades on, you know, DeFi, and that if you use a VPN, you'll be, you know, thrown in jail, then people might try to either hide their activity better or not do it. But the problem, and the point that Hester's making here is that, and, and she said it, I think she said it earlier in the article, but basically it is, you're, you're curtailing free speech by basically saying, oh, here we go. It says, uh, Pierce elaborated, because the release makes everybody involved in the relevant blockchain ecosystem part of a group, it creates significant ambiguity around what speech requires government pre-approval, which will unavoidably chill constitutionally protected speech. You're basically saying, sorry, um, you can't do that because government says you can't do that because... You know, and it's like, but you, but it's freedom of speech. This, you're allowed to do this on your freedom of speech. And the government's like, well, we don't like you doing that. Too bad. I'm sure the government doesn't like it. Uh, Joe Biden doesn't like being called, uh, let's go Brandon, you know, but we're allowed to criticize him. Yeah. Um, in regards to the whole DeFi thing, there are obviously developers and key holders to those, right? Um, and the reason I say that because uh, there's there's been many times in these past years where a lot of these protocols, these DeFi protocols, get hacked for for one thing or another, right? And there's a lot yeah. of funds being siphoned off off, oh, yeah. off their platform. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of they, 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 they shut down they shut down the platform. They freeze all assets, mm-hmm. um, and so they have access to these keys that can stop traffic from entering or exiting their platform. Yep. So there are key holders just because it's not centralized there are key holders to these platforms so is DeFi really DeFi? Uh, well i mean if you're talking about a dex it is um in that case you know with a with a truly de- decentralized exchange then i guess the exchange could stop updating but they can't technically stop you from using the platform because they made it so that the exchanges can be happening regardless of what they say to do you know atomic text is that way they're like hey it's up to you guys you know it's you're you you can exchange however you like we can't stop you the only thing we can I, do is stop updating i think this is just one of those other things that uncle gary the the barking chihuahua is just just nipping at things and, and is not going to do anything well i think the, the the primary thing they said earlier was um i'm trying to remember the exact quote it was like are we are are you only trying to hold the feet of you know all crypto producers to the 
to the uh, fire because you're trying to protect legacy, um, uh, you know, finance. And that, it's like the whole point of crypto is to buck uh, legacy finance. I mean, it's literally, its existence is an FU to legacy, legacy finance. So if you're basically just trying to pull uh, the new, you know, uh, finance technique to be curtailed with the old platform, then what's the point of innovation? Now, here it is. It's at the very bottom. He said, Hester, Hester continues, um, uh, Friday meeting announcement sends a message that we are uninterested in facilitating innovation and com competition in financial markets and instead seek to protect incumbents. Like, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. Like, the, uh, just to make a, a relative analogy, uh, there were a lot of people barking at Google and other such platforms like Google about 10 years ago um, from the EU saying, hey, you guys are doing unfair practices. We can't compete. And so the EU kind of tried to wrangle Google in by saying, you know, you're doing things that are unfair to our, our people in, in the EU. And Google's like, you guys can use whatever platform you want. We don't charge you for anything. Yes, we we're the most popular platform, but that doesn't mean we're making anybody use us. Go use something else. Use DuckDuckGo. If you don't like Google, use that. You, there's no mandate to use Google at all. Yes, a lot of people use it. But there's no man, no mandate. So if you don't like it, the fact that your your the people in your in your European Union don't like it are basically telling the the governing body to curtail Google's you know functionality is is unfair practice. And you know, the same thing goes here. If the incumbents don't like it, change your rules. Compete. Oh, you can't. Not our fault. So I honestly think it feels it feels at least by the way that Hester is presenting this uh, that Gary is kind of being forced to play you know the cop. Uh, or the regulator to this system because all the incumbents are pissed that they can't compete or that they don't know how to compete. It's not that they can't. Not until CBDC comes out, then they can compete all they want. Well, sort of, but yeah. I mean, crypto will, crypto will still exist, so. <laughs> Anyways. Goblin Town creator trashes NFT artwork, disables trading in royalty stand. What? What's going on here? Let's see. Truth Labs, the creator of Goblin Town Ethereum NFT collection, went viral as NFT markets slumped last year, has been accused of rugging holders this week by changing all the project's artwork into animated gifts of a middle finger, holding up three additional middle fingers. F royalties, F supporting building and creatives. Flipping in is the heart of what makes Web3 special. Honor the flipper, F the community, long live the slow rug, all 10,000 of the animated NFTs now read. Yes, they've all been changed, and that kind of pissed off the people who bought the NFTs. Um, that's what they are right there, man. You know, that's uh, that's the reason why you don't want to use smart contract NFTs. Exactly, because they have control. Out there, like Raven, that's what makes Ravencoins pretty special. Yep. You know, that's that's burned on to the token itself. You know, Bitcoin ordinals, the same thing. Just make sure, you know, make sure that when you're doing Bitcoin or ordinals, that it's actual what you're getting. You're getting the actual ordinal burnt um, uh, onto the blockchain, not something that's uh, an HTML 
right. an HTML file right. because that HTML file can be changed on the back end. Exactly. Pay attention to the code, right? Code yep. is law. Yep. But in general, yeah, the, the whole thing here is that the guy that created the Goblin Town Ethereum NFA collection is pissed that True Labs is trying to block flippers. That is flipping NFTs, you know, on and off. And if the the royalty charge is relatively low, like it is on OpenSea, which is like I think 0.5 percent minimum, um, Truth Labs is trying to set 5 percent so that they can keep flippers from screwing what well what they consider screwing the uh, platforms. So it's it a lot of platforms have gone toward the lower creator fees. And Truth Labs thinks that higher creator fees will keep people from doing the very thing that the Goblin Channel creator really wanted. <laughs> so. Truth Labs said it will automatically airdrop a new version of each affected NFT with right. original artwork to hold their wallets by the end of the day on Sunday. Oh. So there you go. It's not a big deal. It's newsworthy. Um, only so you guys can be aware that any smart contract that has obviously like HTML, each smart contract, you can change that date on the back end, right? Pay mm -hmm. attention to that stuff. Yep. It's, yeah. It's a good so. article to understand what's going on there. Yeah, it's a, it's helpful to show exactly what's really happening here. But yeah, they're they're basically trying to to raise the because this is also a you know a creator thing. Like, you know, Beeple, one of the most famous NFT creators of all time, and also one of the wealthiest. Um, mm -hmm. uh, every single time somebody sells one of his uh, pieces of artwork on the secondary market, he gets a cut. This is one thing that artists in the past never got. You know, once it's sold by the auction house to whomever gets the piece of artwork, it's done. You don't you won't see any more of that unless you had some contract with that person. Um, and that's unlikely to happen because that person could own it for decades. You might be dead before that happens again. The, the ease of trade with an NFT functionality makes it so that people can trade it quickly, especially if they want to get rid of it or market as a, you know, something to uh, pull value against, you know, like to put up a loan against. Um, but if you do any of those transactions, the original creator still gets a fee, which is good for the creator. It, it kind of encourages, you know, art uh, on um, NFT format. So, I'm I'm thrilled about this idea. I just uh, wish it wasn't so harsh. I can kind of see why this, because I mean, Goblin Town is kind of a harsh thing, anyways. It was kind of a you know an fu kind of style uh, NFT collection in the first place, so it's kind of not weird that they would do this. <laughs> um, well, it's be better than bananas. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So that's all we got for today. Uh, thank you all for listening and or watching. Please check out Blockchain Expo. We'll put a link in the description below. And, of course, if you would like to contribute to us, we would appreciate that. You can check it out. and You can donate to us in various ways through coins. You can also check out our various social media and interactivity, things like Discord. You can check out all the extra interviews that we did on Patreon. You can see John live on Twitch like he's streaming right now. Of course, you can see that stuff later, too. Um, Check us out on Odyssey if you like. There's, it's all real, it's all ad-free, which is awesome. And, of course, it's supporting blockchain-based media. Thanks for your thumbs up on YouTube and, uh, you know, liking us on Twitter. As we say at the end of every episode... Hit the subscribe button. <laughs> subscribe button. Stack sats and hodl. And hodl. Adios. Adios.